Hello, everybody. My name is Dan Van Horn. I'm the senior pastor here at Trinity Baptist Church in Fairfield, Connecticut, and we want to welcome you to the TBC Provoke podcast. This is where we hope to stimulate, stir up, and provoke you to love and good deeds by taking the conversation we start on Sunday mornings and bring it into the middle of your week. My name is Clayton Winters. I'm the director of worship and arts here at Trinity Fairfield. And my guest today, and my guest always, is Executive Pastor Dan Van Horn. Dan, say hello. Hello, Clayton. How are you? Well, I am fine. <laughs> I am fine. Uh, we're actually recording today immediately following Sunday's service. And the point behind our conversation today is because we desire to take the conversation from the sermon, to take it out of Sunday and bring it into the midweek, bring it into the middle of our lives as a way to enhance and grow community, but also as a way to take what can at times seem like big, heady topics, really put them on the ground, put them in our homes, uh, put them in our relationships. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. You know, we want to know that people are talking about the Word of God, not just on Sunday morning. Like, uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm sure everyone loves hearing me talk about the Word of God, but I think even more so, it's better if we are all talking about it together, engaging it together, like thinking about it together, uh, applying it to our lives together. And, and the reality is, I just, we can't do that on Sunday morning when the conversation is me talking at people, but it can happen if we're talking about it with God and with one another throughout the week. Absolutely. So today's passage, where did we focus? We were looking at Ephesians 4 verses 1 through 16, which, you know, is a great passage to talk about Paul's overall vision of what the church is, that it's this body that's working together, different body parts, different values, different gifts, all working together to pursue the unity of maturity in Jesus Christ. That's amazing. And I know when you and I talked about the passage earlier this week, we sort of landed on the idea that you could probably do a whole series on at least four different things in this passage. In these simple 16 verses, there are at least four major topics that you could spend at least four to six weeks on. One of them being the fivefold ministry, mm -hmm. right? That some are teachers, some are preachers, some are evangelists, some are apostolic. And I know whole ministries that are based entirely off of that concept. To your point, you're saying that the big idea mm -hmm. of 1 to 16 is that we all play a part and that it is actually Jesus who gives us the ability and then the instruction on how to use that ability to serve the church. Yeah, absolutely. It's about our relationship with Jesus. It's about depending on him. It's not about you know, how we are working harder or, or proving ourselves to be better Christians by being uh, more like what we quote unquote think a Christian should look like. It's a matter of depending on Jesus to do a work in our lives to shape us into what his church should look like, you know, and I think that we struggle with what does the church look like and what should it be. At one time, historically speaking, it was the center of our society. And we live in a day and age where that's that's not true. You know, yet the church is still the church. It hasn't changed. It's still real. And and I think to look back to the scriptures, to look at the Bible and say, okay, how has God revealed his church and what is his church to be? How can we be the healthiest representation of that as possible? We have all been accustomed, and perhaps it's changed even in 
the lifetime of our listeners, that the church was sort of preeminent in culture. And we've been moving intellectually, academically, spiritually into a season where that is no longer the case, right? The church is not preeminent in shaping culture or morality. Some people even refer to it as a post-Christian environment. And even though we've been accustomed to that, it reminds me that that's not where the church started. It was started by groups of people who were meeting in small rooms and meeting in small houses Mm -hmm. because people like Saul were walking around looking for them so they could persecute them, uh, even to the degree that, um, you know, on the day of Pentecost, 5,000 believers came to the faith. Immediately after that, they were scattered Mm -hmm. because they still existed in a Roman culture where believing in anything other than Caesar as God was illegal. What has surprised me is that in the current state of the world, it is May 17th, 2020. So for all future generations who hear this, we are squarely in the middle of this global pandemic is that the church is back underground again Mm -hmm. in a really interesting way and in a way that we're not accustomed to. And yet the church has always flourished when it's underground, which immediately makes me think of the scripture that says, unless a seed dies, Mm -hmm. it won't bear any fruit. So as you were saying today, like you've got to trust God to walk you forward. You've got to trust the Spirit of God to speak and guide and lead you. Mm -hmm. On some larger level, God has planted his church underground globally, which to me makes me feel excited. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 honestly, it should. I, I don't know that that the church being underground is a brand new thing, as much as us being awoken to that. You know, we've come through somewhat of a glorious time of of being a church over the last twenty, thirty, fifty years. We love what we experienced in the church. You know, we had a great time. Our families have many memories of of growing up in the church and enjoying that. But as the church has has lost some of its status in culture. Our families, our, our communities have found other things that are also important in the shaping of, of their lives and their families. And so um, I think that the church has been dethroned for a number of years now. We're just realizing it even more specifically now. Like, I, I think we even not just live in a post-Christian time. I think we, we, we live in a post-truth time where where it's not just a matter of celebrating, you know, truth as being relative to the people that 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 view it or hold it but that uh we may acknowledge that there is objective truth but but our own personal opinion our own wants and needs have a precedent over objective truth Uh, abdul murray writes a great reflection on this in his book saving truth but the point being is that the church faces the same issues it faced since the dawn of the church as you mentioned, the early church, they faced being ostracized because they didn't come out to celebrate Caesar and to worship him and to acknowledge his victories because they were called to follow a different king. We find ourselves a lot like that early church needing to say, what does it look like for us to to worship Jesus as king and live in a world where not everyone does worship Jesus as king? So I'm not trying to be depressed <laughs> by all of this. But I think this segues perfectly into 
what we discussed in the passage today. So in a world where it is not safe, wise, or healthy to meet in groups, in a world where people actively deny objective biological truth, how do you be the church? How is it even how is it even possible to serve your community but also to serve the kingdom? in a way that grows the kingdom like Mm -hmm. how is anyone equipped to handle such terrible circumstances yeah no i I, that's a great question i love it i think it's a matter of looking to our relationship with jesus as being central to it all i've heard someone say that if you want a stronger marriage focus on how you yourself can grow don't worry about changing the other person how are you growing right Um, And specifically, how are you growing in your relationship with Jesus? This morning in the passage, it says, Paul called on the the Ephesian church to walk in a manner worthy of the calling for which they've been called. We can only define that in our relationship with Jesus. He's the one who defines what worthiness is. But there are actually tools and gifts and abilities that have been given to us to help us be successful in this day and in this age. Yeah. You mentioned earlier the the fivefold ministry. There's these offices that Paul mentions in the passage about um, apostle, uh, preacher, teacher, evangelist, uh, and... uh, What's that last one? What's the last one? (laughs) (laughs) The apostolic, which I believe is first because it's a person who starts something. Yeah. Apostle, preacher, teacher evangelist shepherd shepherd and and that's the one i forgot which by the way ironically enough what's your job (laughs) (laughs) it's the one that i i relate to the most yeah absolutely but but i what i love about that though too is that, that that this is an example of the offices that he gives but that these offices help to equip the whole church with gifts that they've also received, right? We, we didn't talk about those gifts today, but, but it's, it's recognizing that, that what our passage does talk about today is that Jesus gave us all gifts, right? Yeah. And, 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 and these offices help to shape and equip and, and build up uh, individual members of the body of Christ with their gifts that, that we can all pursue this unity together. One of the things my wife reminds me all the time, and this is a verse that she dearly loves, is that the gifts are irrevocable. Mm -hmm. Like they've been planted in us from the beginning. We've been designed, created fearfully and wonderfully by God with certain gifts. Mm -hmm. And I think shortly after I became a believer, I met a young man who put it to me in a way that just set the frame for me, even to this day. He said, you know, if God has made you to be an evangelist, and you're not in a church, you're probably a salesman. Hmm. And all of a sudden, those two concepts just like locked in, that God has given each one of us gifts, Mm -hmm. and that if you are using them in the church, then you are using them in a way that builds up the body of Christ. It helps Mm -hmm. mature the body of Christ. It helps bring unity to the body of Christ. And it helps moves us towards a likeness of Jesus that brings him glory in our community. Mm Mm-hmm. If you are not using those gifts in the church, you still have them. You're probably just using them somewhere else. So if you have an apostolic nature, right? Mm -hmm. The the guy who goes in and starts things, the apostles, they were the first. If you have an apostolic nature, 
you're probably starting something wherever you are. Like I believe entrepreneurs have a kind of apostolic nature. Or maybe you're like me, you just start trouble. But you're, <laughs> you're probably starting something. It's easy to see preachers everywhere. Mm -hmm. you're pro you probably have one in your family who is telling you about something that is not the gospel and is probably not helpful, but they're preaching to you wherever you go. Mm -hmm. uh, you can tell we've all had a teacher in our life mm -hmm. who did not have the spiritual gift of teaching. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like... And, but you've also had that one teacher who just transformed everything for you. They unlocked algebra in a way, or they made literature exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, and you and they were different because they just had a gift mm -hmm. to teach. You know, we already talked about evangelists, and then you've got shepherds. And we've all met shepherds in different places. A lot of them, if they're not in a church setting, they're counselors. Mm -hmm. Or... They're the best manager you've ever had. <laughs> they know how to listen. They know how to care. They know how to come alongside. They empathize well. You know, I just think about that gift of shepherding. I think about the verse, and it's in it's in the Psalms, and it's it's in reference to the king. The king is a shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the good king. But they were talking about King David that the shepherd knows the names of all of the sheep in his flock. Mm -hmm. It's God. Mm -hmm. When you look on the big side of it, it's God. When you look on the tiny, the smallest side of it, you come through it on the other side, it's also the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so perhaps even as we've, we've spoken about these things, people are maybe identifying already mm -hmm. what, their, what their bent is. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things I love that you just said, though, um, is you talk about in the context of your marriage or your family or your workplace. Uh, the fact of the matter is we're not necessarily all called to be, you know, uh, entrepreneurs or evangelists or pastors or shepherds in the church building. But that doesn't mean we don't have that, that gift in our lives where we're called to use that gift of shepherding in our workplaces or in our homes or in our marriages and to lead from that place, to, to help build the unity of the body of Christ. Now, one of the things I was thinking about in this thing just today, thinking about, A, the fact that God has given us these gifts, that Jesus gives us specific gifts for the purpose of building up unity, means that each of these gifts uh, provides a, a sense of um, every gift has value, right? Every gift has extreme value and, and meaning and it is important like we can't have if we're gonna if we're gonna continue to strive until we all attain unity in the in the uh, faith and in the knowledge of the son of god then then each gift is important and needed right and, and so yet i also know that as people come to explore gifts uh we get this thing called spiritual gift envy Right, where where we begin to desire what other people have, or we devalue the gift that we have, right? And so I just wonder, you know, as you think about your gifts, how you've experienced looking around and valuing other people's gifts appropriately without envying them. That's so good. Let me let me think about how to answer this. And I say that because you often will see things that you wish that you had which causes you to devalue the gift that you have. And one is you just have to remember that everybody is doing that because mm -hmm. it's just part of our human nature. 
there are attributes of God that seem to be intrinsic to other people, and the Spirit of God draws you towards those attributes because He is the same. Mm -hmm. So I personally have to focus and grow in an area of empathy. That's something I have to be aware of. Do I struggle with being honest with people? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. Uh, Do I struggle with judgment from others? Right? Does the fear of man change my behavior in a way that would cause me to dishonor the Lord? Usually not. The inverse of that is that I do struggle with reaching out, acknowledging, and empathizing with other stories. Mm -hmm. That is something that I think is related to the spirit and nature of of God, His Holy Spirit in me, Mm -hmm. bringing, uh, you know, patience, long-suffering, joy, meekness, gentleness, kindness, you know, self-control. That's something that God is working out in each one of us, separate from what our giftedness Mm -hmm. is. I desire always to be growing in the nature Mm -hmm. of the Lord. And maybe there is nature imbued in someone who is a shepherd that I, as an entrepreneurially minded person, could bring in to -hmm. what I do. The Spirit of God, by bringing his character into me, will do that. But I take great confidence in knowing what I do well. Mm -hmm. Right? What I do well is X, Y, and Z. And I am most beneficial to the church when I do that right. and not a bunch of other things. Right. You know, and but I know for others, especially if you are a very empathetically natured person, to see someone else, to see their success or to see their struggle or to see their giftedness, like that could stir up in you a whole range of emotions. And this is what's beautiful. Uh, and I think it was it's not in this week's passage i think it was actually in last week's passage that god gives his gifts to us in a measure that is suitable for us yeah uh and to and to that end he gives us his spirit the same way so he's sufficient in overcoming those personal struggles you have yeah if it's too much fear concern and worry for others and their thoughts of you god's grace his gifts his spirit is sufficient for covering those for me like I need him to overcome yeah. what some would say is like a callous approach. Yeah. And I, I affirm that. Like yeah. I have upset enough people <laughs> in my life that I recognize that I need more of Jesus's nature in my life. Yeah. If I'm going to be effective in building up the church, I have to be more skilled yeah. at caring for others. But that's good though, because that to me is is much more of a gospel-centered view of our spiritual gifts, right? Because it's, you know, we we have one of two views typically of our spiritual gifts. Either we don't think very highly of them, and by extension, we don't think very highly of ourselves, or we think too highly of our spiritual gifts, and we think, man, look at, look at what gift God's given me, and we think too highly of ourselves. But the gospel really is of uh, growing in this awareness of how sinful we are and how much we need the Lord and how great he is, right? And so, um, I, I think that on, on one hand, you know, the gospel informs those people who feel like their gift is not valuable and says, no, that's absolutely not true. Your gift is needed in the building up of the body of Christ. And for those people who think too highly of their gifts, God has a way of gently and graciously leading us down the path that says, hey, don't think too highly of yourself. 
then know that it's truly me who does that work in and through you. I, I know this is something that, that God uh, has been working on in, in my life as you came on board with us as a ministry. We, we kind of have this joke going between us about, you know, different is not bad because when you came on board, like I knew right away, you're very different than me. And, what? <laughs> and, and that's a wonderful thing, you know, like I, I think in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I've got to find someone who shares my exact view of, of ministry in order to work well with them. And, and what God has taught me is that there is so much help that I need in serving his kingdom that I can't do on my own. But when I understand that he works through different personalities and different gifts, all for the same purpose of building up unity of the body of Christ, I have been open to relying more heavily on him working in various people in different ways, the way he's uniquely uh, built them and created them and equipped them. Uh, it's been it's been such a, a, a not just an eye opening, but a joyful experience, you know, to, to see the potential of, of ways that we can do ministry and the ways that I've been edified. I, I've learned in my communication and, and things like that from you. I've learned many things and not just from a practical standpoint, but also in the faith. You, you've helped to sharpen my faith by having conversations like this one. And so, you know, I do think that it's you needing a gospel centered view of our spiritual gifts is vital to not only appreciating our gifts, but valuing other people's gifts and then valuing God working in and through our gifts as they are ours. That is awesome. And what a way to wrap it up. As other people trust the Lord to work in them, and you trust the Lord to work in them, that we are all sharpened together. We are all being conformed unto the likeness mm -hmm. of Jesus. Mm -hmm. and, and in that, we begin to shine him out into our community, to glorify him with our lives, that gospel-centered life you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And that as that begins to happen, the church becomes visible in a way that becomes undeniable to those around us that it is set apart. Amen. And we do it in community, and we do it by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Dependent upon him. Amen. Well, hey, everybody, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, I hope this provokes you unto good works, that as you hear and think about these things, that you would strike up these conversations with others, even if it's just to say, can you believe what those two knuckleheads said? <laughs> but it is our sincere hope that this conversation leaves Sunday and enters into your life where the boots are on the ground, it enters into your relationships, and it begins to shape and mold how you see yourself as a believer, but also how you see yourself as a part of this community. We love you. God bless.